Give me a big thumbs up if you're doing well. Oh my goodness, you guys are gorgeous. It's so good to see all of you. How many of you are here for a very special occasion today? How many of you are here because you have a niece or a nephew? Maybe you have a grandchild or a friend of yours that is getting baptized today. If that's you, just throw your hand up. I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us today on this very, very special occasion. We're going to get right into it because I am so excited to baptize 30 people today, 28 to 30 people. It is incredible what the Lord is doing in our lives. Some of you have been followers of Christ for many years, and you have been working and wrestling and thinking through, God, when am I going to go public with my faith? And for some of you, you have just recently made a commitment to Jesus, and you're saying, man, I want to tell the world about this. Some of you are children, and you've grown up in God-fearing Christian families. In fact, I heard a story of a young girl who, the last time we had baptisms, uh, this young girl, she was watching. She was probably five years old at the time, and she said, Mommy, what's that? What's going on? And the mom explained to her what baptism is, and she said, I want to do that. Like, this is why the physicality of baptism matters, Right, Our Christian faith is not just some invisible spiritual thing. It's physical. There's a physical dimension to our faith so that the little kids can see it and they can associate big, massive spiritual principles with something that is tangible and concrete and physical and touchable. And I love that. I love the fact that we've got young kids that have grown up in Christian homes and they're saying, I love Jesus. And I have decided that I'm going to follow him all the days of my life by the grace of God and by the power of the Spirit. And I want to go down into that water as a public declaration of my love affair with Jesus Christ. I love that. So guys, grab your Bibles if you would. I want to hit a couple of things today just to set a context, to set a table. And this teaching or this message that I'm giving today, it's for all of us. It's for those who are being baptized, our baptism candidates to help anchor you in what you're doing today. It's for those of us who've been following Jesus for many years as a great refresher and a reminder, a renewal of, oh yeah, that's what I did and that's why that matters and that's how it's still working itself out in my life. There are some of you in here in this room today that all of this, it's it's new, it's unfamiliar, it's foreign. And you'll listen to some of these words today that are taken straight from the scriptures, straight, straight from Jesus' mouth. And my hope and my prayer is that new life will come to you today. That you will say, something in my heart convinces me of the fact. I can't understand it all or explain it all, but something is hitting me on a heart level. And I pray today that you would find and discover the beauty of God's love for you and the depths of Jesus' work for you today. So let's pray. And we're going to jump into an obscure passage, not quite a passage that you would think we'd go to on a baptism Sunday. We're going to start in the book of Revelation. All right, here we go. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for new life in the house. Thank you for new life in the house, oh God. Thank you that you are the one who calls dead things to life. Thank you that you are the one and you are the only one who can make dead things come alive again. And you are the one who is making all things new. And today, God, we are here as a raucous, wild, crazy bunch of believers celebrating the goodness of the work of God in our lives as a community of believers. And if you can agree with that, I just want you to clap really, really loud right now. Thank you. 
Thank you. Amen. All right, here we go, guys. We're going to go to uh, Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to start with verse 1. And here's the background of this passage that is just one chapter away from the end of it all. This is one chapter away from the end of the entire book. It is one chapter away from the entire end of all things as we know it. And that very simply is Jesus making this declaration, this announcement of what he, became, what he came to do to begin with. Why he was sent to the world. His, his kind of secret mission that has now gone public. Let's read in Revelation 21 verse 1. This is John the Revelator and he's saying, Then I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, and it said, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. That's beautiful. If you remember last week, in our Good Friday service, I mentioned the fact that when the thief is hanging right there next to Jesus and he says to Jesus, will you remember when you come into your kingdom, what does Jesus say back to him? He says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And friends, one of the reasons why Jesus can say that so emphatically and so confidently is because the dwelling place of God is in the heart of humanity. God wants to be with his people. It breaks the heart of God when there's distance between him and humanity. God desires intimacy. God loves you. God loves everything about you. And God has waged a a brutal war against sin so that there would be absolutely no separation between him and you. Right? This is where it's all going, friends. Right here. This is where the whole story is going. That God's dwelling place would now be among the people and that he would dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. From the moment that Jesus arrives on the scene, here's what we find. We find that eternity and the kingdom of God and the rule of God, fully incarnated in the person of Jesus, breaks into the old order. And the moment that that beachhead hits, something begins to happen. The old things start passing away, and new, new life begins to touch the created order. Like right there at the beachhead of the incarnation. And then at the resurrection, what happens is, is that new life begins to start seeping into the created order. That when we say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I've made you my Lord and Savior. What happens is, is the seed of new life then. There's a beachhead of that seed of new life that enters into the garden of our heart. And things begin over the course of time to become new. Let's keep reading verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. I am making everything new. Everybody say everything. Everything. God is making everything new. As I was reading this, I had this thought, you know, the moment that you're born, you start becoming old. 
the moment you're born. Like you've heard that adage, the moment you buy a new vehicle, you drive it off the lot, what happens? It depreciates. The moment you're born from day one, when you start to cry, you start to become old. But the moment you're born again, you start to become new. The moment you're born, you start moving towards an inevitable death. Think about that. The moment that that baby comes out of the womb and everyone's oohing and on, everyone's happy and everyone's excited and you bring that baby home, the moment that baby is born, you are on a trajectory towards inevitable death. The moment you're born again, you start living out eternal life. John chapter 3, Jesus, this isn't going to be on the screens, but if you want to go back and read this, John ha- uh, Jesus has a conversation with a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. And very simply, Jesus tells them this. He says, unless a person is born again, they will never see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, the wisdom of God, the influence of God, the sphere and the space, the domain where the dominion of God is a reality. And Jesus is saying, you will never understand or walk in the fullness of what the kingdom of God is. You will never experience the newness of life that the kingdom of God brings if you haven't been born again. And here's this religious scholar who has memorized every word of the first five books of the Old Testament, who's devoted his entire life to understanding Torah. And he says to Jesus, how can a person go back How can a person go back into their mother's womb? And Jesus is like, bro, like, you're one of, you, we, we got a lot of work to do. You're one of Israel's leaders. And Jesus is saying, I'm talking about spiritual things here. I'm talking about the fact that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And unless a person is born of water and the spirit, they're still dead in their sin. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about the fact that God makes everything new. And what I want to do very quickly is I want to talk with you about a few things that because of your decision to say yes to Jesus, because of the resurrection, because of the crucifixion, I want to talk with you very quickly about some things that God has made new in your life. Number one, very quickly and very simply, is God has given you new life. Whether you realize this or not, that there was a point in time because of sin that your spirit man died. In dying, it died. There came a time where your spirit being, your spirit person died in sin. The scriptures tell us this. Paul goes to great lengths to explain to us the fact that we were dead in our sins. And this is what Jesus was referring to about being born again, that when we receive the life of God in us, our spirit man, our spirit person, our spiritual being is it's resurrected unto new life. Right? This is what happens when you say yes to the life of God. God drops his spirit 
which is an eternal living spirit, and it comes and it resuscitates your spirit, resurrecting your dead spirit back unto life, and you are now a living spirit being again. Look with me in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. This is Paul speaking, and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. Now notice that when you are outside of God, you are dead in your sin. You're dead in your sin. But when you are resurrected by the Spirit of God and your spirit man is alive, now you choose to become dead to sin. Right? You were dead in your sin, which means your spirit being had zero life. Zero capacity to commune with God. But now that you're brought into spiritual life, you are choosing to identify with the crucified Christ and you're choosing to be dead to sin. You're not dead in sin. You're alive in God. You're dead to sin. Are you with me today? Verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Look at this verse one more time. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. You know what those waters there represent? They represent death. And when you crawl up into those waters, and I don't know how cold they're going to be, and praise God, I pray that they're not too cold for us today, but if they are, just, just let it be a reminder that death is cold. <laughs> and you just sit in the coldness of death. And here's what's happening. You are physically reenacting what Jesus endured on the cross. That's what's happening in that moment. It was as if you yourself were crawling up on that cross with Jesus and saying, Jesus, in the same way that you died to sin, I'm identifying with you. I'm joining you and being put to death to sin. That's what's happening. So when you go down under that water or when you have water poured on your hands or you have water poured on your head today because we have some that we're just going to pour water on and that is totally okay, guys. I want you to understand that that is completely acceptable and appropriate. We're going to pour that water as a picture of, of, of de death in the same way that Jesus was hung on that cross and he took death upon himself. We're, we're, we're like wrapping ourselves in death today, right? But then... I'm not going to leave you in that water. In the same way that the Spirit of God came into that tomb and he knocked on the door of a very real dead Jesus, the Spirit of God himself came and resurrected Jesus from the dead. You're going to come up out of that water. You are physically reenacting resurrection. And what it does is, I can't even explain how it happens. My mind can't wrap itself around this. But in the same way that we take the body and we take the blood and it's physical, tangible, concrete elements, and God is doing something with that. Guys, I just, I'm here to let you know, the spirit of God himself is just hovering over these two water tanks right now. And when you come up out of that water, something of God is going to be happening within your life. It's going to mark you. It's going to mark you. As we were sitting in here in worship, I was thinking about, I was Kenya's age when I was baptized. I was in the seventh grade. 
I didn't have any idea what I was doing. Um, like most things in my spiritual life up until that point, my mom said to do it, and I did it. You're going to read your Bible. Okay. You're going to write the Bible. Okay. You're going to pray. How do I pray? What is prayer? Don't worry about it. Just pray. Okay. I'm going to pray. Oh, and by the way, you're going to get baptized. Okay. I have this picture and there's this kind of like aloof seventh grade kid just sitting there like, what am I doing right now? (laughs) But here's the thing. I went down in those waters. I came out and four years later, Four years later, in the same way that spring is the announcement of new life, you don't see the full blossom and the full bloom and the full harvest of spring, at the, especially in Colorado, right? You don't, you don't see the full harvest of spring. You see these little inklings, right? You see these sprouts that begin to push through. So something was happening in my life when I came up out of the waters of baptism, even though, guys, everything in my life, my mouth, my language, my words, my thoughts, my desires, all of those, they still, I was conditioned by the old man. But listen, new life was working its way. It was working inside of me. New life was confronting the old man, and something new was beginning to spring up and sprout forth in my life. Friends, I want to remind you today, for those of you who are a little discouraged by your life in God, new life is at work in you. The life of God himself, it's working. He's working in you. He's changing you. You are a new creature. Go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Very familiar passage for some of us. Again, Paul is saying, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and if you're getting baptized today, you're getting baptized because you are telling the world, I am in Christ. I'm no longer just living life in myself. I'm no longer living life in my sin. I am in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then here's what's happening. The new creation has come. Listen, the new creation is not coming. It has come. A definitive past event in history, the moment you said yes, and the moment the Spirit of God entered into your spiritual being, guess what happened? The new creation came. So it is, it is not inappropriate. It is not beyond us to say, you are, in fact, a new creation in God. Pastor, I don't feel like a new creation. Doesn't matter. You're a new creation. Pastor, I'm still acting like the old creation. It's okay, because over the course of time, what you need to realize is that change is working from the inside out. Like we try to change ourselves from the outside in. The world tries to change us from the outside in. Just eliminate more things and put more candles and have more ambient music and just, you know, change the environment. And then just, you know, from the outside in, God is always working from the inside out. So sometimes the very last thing that you'll see is a change in your character or behavior because what God is doing is he's renewing and reforming and reshaping your heart. You ever, especially in Colorado Springs, you ever kind of been for a walk and you're like, you know, one week you're looking in the whole field at the park is still brown. And then you come back like, you know, a few days later and it's all green. Like, how did that happen? Because it's working. It's working. New life is working itself through even when you can't see it on the externals just yet. Friends, you are a new creation in God. Old things are gone and the new is here. Here's the next thing. By virtue of the resurrection and your decision to follow Jesus, not only do you have new life, not only are you a new creature, you have a new name. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit testifies with our spirit. Do you know who you are now? You're not an orphan. You're not a loser. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not someone who can't get it together. That's not who you are. Those things, and I'm praying today, guys, listen, I'm praying that when we have people that go down in these waters, that old identities, huh, they stay in those waters. Huh? Old word curses, old labels that moms and dads and uncles and aunts and coaches and pastors and friends and ex-lovers spoke over us, that they stay in those waters of death. And that when we come out, we emerge with a new name. You know what your new name is? Your name is beloved. Your name is son. Your name is daughter. In fact, in John, in Matthew chapter three, when Jesus comes up out of the water, God speaks over him three things. He says this, he says, you're my son. He says, I love you, boy. And then he says, I'm so pleased with you. I'm not just proud of you for what you do. I'm pleased with you. I take delight in you. I am praying today that the dove of the Spirit just drop on every single one of us. And I pray that you would hear in the inner ear of your spirit, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I delight in you. I'm crazy about you. I'm pleased with you. I am praying that you hear your new name today. Amen? And then finally, guys, listen, when you, get, when you say yes to Jesus... Not only do you have new life by virtue of new birth, not only are you a new creation, not only do you have a new name, you have a new family. Look with me, if you would, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Boy, I wish I had time to just unpack all these. This is just an appetizer. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. The context, listen to the language. You get the context in the language. Paul is talking about human relationships here. You see, your relationship with God is not about your little, you know, private faith. I was reading a well-known book yesterday, and the scholar was talking about the fact that salvation is like receiving a baseball bat. My ears perked up, or my eyes perked up. What, do you, what perks up when you read? I, my curiosity was perked up. I've been reading this, and here's what Tom Wright said. He says that when you receive a baseball bat, everybody knows that you don't go and you just play baseball by yourself. Like the beauty of receiving a baseball bat is playing and enjoying the sport with a community of other players. And he says, in the same way, your salvation is not for you alone. Your salvation is for you to enjoy, is for you to work out, and it is for you to experience amongst the community of faith that you have been placed in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know what this means today? It means, friends, that no matter how broken or dysfunctional your family was, no matter what, what happened within your family line that maybe you know, you're, you're not as proud of, 
when you come up out of that waters, it is a physical testimony that you have been placed into a new family. It's a new family. It's a family full of new creatures. It's a family full of people who have new life. It's a family full of people with a new name who all exist in this new family under the banner of the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, at this time, I'd like to call our worship team up, and I'd like to have all of our baptismal candidates. You guys can go in the back and get in line and get prepared. Oh, I cannot wait. (laughs) Give these guys a hand. We're going to be clapping a lot today, you guys. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, those of you who are helping to bring some order. You come back in just as quickly as possible. I'm going to call you guys up to the stage, and I'm going to talk to you guys as a family. Here's what's going to happen. All right, this is a party. I don't know what your church background is, but this isn't the time for us to fold our hands and be ready. Like, this is the time for us to go buck wild, right? Some of you have never heard the word buck wild before. It's a thing, okay? Buck wild. There's wild, and then there's buck wild. I want Buckwild today, okay? Which means that the worship team's gonna be playing. Don't even worry about what they're doing. They're helping to create our environment right now, okay? We're gonna invite the spirit of the living God to come and to wreck shop, which means that we're gonna invite the spirit of God to come and to do holy work in the lives of these baptismal candidates, right? This is a family affair, which means this. I want you, if, if you have a, a son, a daughter, a nephew, a niece, if you have a grandchild, I want you to come up around these baptismal waters. You can be as close as you want. Okay, moms and dads, if you're down there, and when me or Pastor Jonathan put our hand behind the head of your child, you put your hand right on top of our hand, and we're going to do this together. This is a family affair, okay? If you have kids, if you guys want to sit up on these, sta- uh, these stairs, this is not some sacred place that we can't, you know, cross the threshold of the stage. You can come up here on the stage. I want you guys to be as close as possible. Okay, this is a party. We're going to have a blast right now, okay? So, yeah, let's go. When, when one of our candidates comes out, I want that level, that little decibel right there, I want you to take that up probably about, you know, 30 or 40 fold right there. Because here's what we're doing. We are celebrating the work of God and we are, we are welcoming them into the family. All right, all of our baptismal candidates, come on up here. Give these guys a big hand today. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And these are very simply statements of faith. These are taken from what's called the Nicene Creed in the early church. A bunch of really smart guys who love God, they got together and they said, what do we believe? Let's, let's put it in words. And then they crafted this belief statement that the church of Jesus has been following for 2,000 years Guys, you're a part of a really, really, really long lineage and tradition of other sons and daughters of God. 
by the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to ask you these questions. There's four of them. One's a question about God, a question about Jesus, a question about the Holy Spirit, and a question about the church. And if you believe in these things, all you have to do is say, I do. I do believe that. All right? So here we go. Do you believe in God the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth? If you believe that, just very simply, all together say, I do. Beautiful. That was good. Here's our statement about Jesus. Do you believe in Christ Jesus? They're all up there too. Do you believe that he is the son of God? That he was crucified? That he died? That he rose again from the dead on the third day? That he is now living from among the dead? That he ascended unto heaven and that he sat at the right hand of the father and that he's gonna come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. If you believe that, say, I do. Amen, amen, amen. About the Holy Spirit, friends, do you believe in the Holy Spirit that he also is the Lord, that he is a part of the Trinity, that he is the giver of life and that he proceeds from the Father? Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. And finally, these are questions about the church and the resurrection. Let's put those up. Do you believe in God's church, the family of God? Do you believe that you've received forgiveness of sins and always will? Do you believe in the resurrection of dead beginning with Jesus and that someday you too, as followers of Jesus, you will be resurrected from the dead and do you believe in life and the world to come? Amen, amen, amen. Okay, guys, you can bunch in a little bit tighter. Don't worry about the order right now. Just bunch in really tight. Chat, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Christy, anybody else? Um, Kevin, Cedron, come on up here. I just want you guys to stretch forth your hands towards these guys. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to bless them today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the work of the Spirit in the lives of these beautiful ones. Father, we thank you that they are no longer dead in their sins. They are dead to their sins. Father, we thank you that they have received new life because they have been born again, and they have been born again because they believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and as the Savior, as the one who was crucified for their sins, and as the one who was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Spirit. So today, Father, we pray that you would mark them, that you would anoint them, that you would seal them. Father, that you would put your hand on them. God, we pray today that you would set them apart for holy things. Father, we pray today that you would launch them into a deeper dimension of their destiny. We pray that the voice of the Father would speak sonship over them and daughterhood over them. Father, we pray that you would activate gifts in them, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would baptize them with the Spirit of the living God. And we pray it today by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. Half of you can go down here with me. Half of you can go down there with Pastor Jonathan. Pastor Seth, take it away. We're going to get these guys set up. You guys can come in close if you want. And remember, when one comes up, I want you guys to go bananas.